How many of you here were here this morning just out of curiosity? Wow, and, and you came back. I'm, I'm blessed and um, I know I really believe that God uh, wants to do a great work. Um, the other day I was watching a, a video from the men's conference over in Anaheim and uh, the last study was uh, Pastor Raw uh, Reese. If you guys haven't seen it, man, I, I would encourage you to just kind of check that out. You know, uh, the men's conferences is something they do every year and they have all these, uh, just these guys come out and share God's word. And man, you know, it's just really right on target, you know, really challenging the guys to be men uh, of holiness. And, um, you know, but unfortunately, what happens many, many times is that the guys, they go, they get pumped up, but they go home and there's no change. There's not a real radical change in the life and in the conduct of the people. And, um, you know, and then they go to the next conference and the next conference. And I think that the Lord kind of stirred up uh, uh, Pastor Rawl. And again, it's an individual thing. Of course, everybody has to make that choice, but... You know, when he went up there, um, he just prayed and he and he prayed and he began to weep and he began to cry and he began just to ask God for forgiveness uh, for the sins that, that we've committed, you know. And I don't know about you and I don't know what's going on in your life, um, but I would venture to say I just sense by the Holy Spirit, I sense even sometimes in looking in the mirror, you know, that that we have to deal with our sin. That we can't continue to live life with some um, just um, it's a standard that's that's just not biblical. It's a standard that says, well, yeah, I'm forgiven and I'm a Christian and I'm washed and so I can go ahead and I can just, you know, live my life and do whatever I want to do and, you know, continue to, um, whatever your problems are. Sometimes we don't pray enough. Uh, sometimes we uh, don't love. Sometimes we're mean to our spouse or sometimes we're, you know, we're just not there for our kids. Um, we're... A lot of times, man, we're, we're just, whatever it is, sins of omission, sins of commission, and, and we've got this distorted perspective that we think that that's okay. And, and the Lord has really been stirring up my heart, and I think that, um, you know, for all of us here, I really want to clearly communicate to you that that's not okay. And you, you, you can't continue to live in sin. We, we got to know that, that God has something greater for us. That God can give us that victorious Christian living. And so tonight I'm here by default because uh, Richard was supposed to be teaching tonight. And my heart goes out to him. Um, I talked to him yesterday and he had major allergies and uh, he had a, just a throbbing headache and then I called him later and the headache was gone but the allergies were still there and he's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to teach tomorrow. I'm like, come on bro, suck it up, man. You can do it, you know. And uh, and then uh, and then even Joey talked to him later on in the day and it turns out he was in the emergency. His back was all messed up and so I'm like, man, 
poor Richard, but come on, bro, you can do it, you know? And, <laughs> and so it just turns out that he, uh, he wasn't able to make it. And, and he had been studying Psalm 58 and 59. He's all, can I teach it next week? I'm all, sure. You know, so then that took us out of the book of Psalms, uh, giving us a quick notice. And the Lord just laid, you know, on my heart today, um, something that might be familiar for some of you, um, but for maybe some of you it's new, to talk about the person, the purpose, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, one thing I know in my life, you guys, is that you can't schedule this. It's not like, okay, let's come. You guys show up on Sunday night at 6 o'clock and the Holy Spirit will be there and we will lay hands on you and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We can't schedule revival. But we can cry out for revival. And we can teach revival. And it might not happen tonight. Maybe it will. Maybe it will happen when you go home tonight. Maybe it will happen when you wake up in the morning and you begin to pray with earnest expectation and great anticipation, knowing that the Father has called you to this, that you would function not in your own strength any longer, but that you would catch the wave. K-wave, see? (laughs) It's the living water that God wants to give to you. And so today I want to share with you these things. You know, when you study the Bible, it's kind of interesting. The, the different symbols in the Bible uh, of the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe you're familiar with some of them. In the Bible, one of the most uh, familiar symbolisms of the Holy Spirit is that of oil. That of oil. And so you're wondering, well, what is that all about? I mean, why is the Holy Spirit... A symbolic of oil. They would take that anointing oil and they would pour it over the heads or they would anoint, you know, the prophet, priest and king, you know, to order to do the whatever ministry is. And so you're like, well, why do they need the oil? But you got to remember this, that in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament in early days, oil was there and they believed that oil had the power to heal. They did. They, they used it for medicinal purposes. If you were sick, they would come and they would anoint you with oil. And one of the things I know is this, is that there are a lot of us here today who are wounded, who are, are hurting, who are gashed, who are cut, who are suffering emotionally, spiritually, and God wants to heal you with the oil of the Holy Spirit. You know, another thing that we see in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is symbolized with is with fire. Did you guys know that? Remember when the Holy Spirit came? On the book of Acts chapter 2, and he came with tongues of fire. And, you know, even John the Baptist, he said, you know, I come and I'm baptizing you with water. But there comes one mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And you're like, well, what is fire all about? I don't want to get burnt, you know. (laughs) Well, we know, huh? Fire purifies our life. And you may be here today and you're thinking, well, I'm doing pretty good, Manny. I've been going to church now for, 
you know, six years, five years, two years, 20 years. I mean, I'm still here. And you know what? I thank God for that because not everybody is. A lot of people have come and they're not here anymore, man. They're back in the world. They've gone back to their vomit. You're still here. I thank God for that. But there's more. And so tonight you're asking for the Holy Spirit to heal you, your broken heart. You're asking for the Holy Spirit to purify you. And when that fire comes in and when the light comes in and he exposes those areas of your life that you never even knew were there, that are really holding you back and you don't even realize it, then the fire goes up and the impurities rise. And then we begin to skim the surface and we begin to realize, you know what? This New Testament Christianity is alive and it's for today. The Holy Spirit is the oil that we need. The Holy Spirit is the fire that we need. The Holy Spirit is the wind that we need. Again, when you read the book of Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came, remember, it was the sound of rushing, mighty wind. And let me tell you something, it wasn't a, it wasn't a little, it wasn't. I mean, the wind of God, and you guys have seen it, huh? Haven't you seen it? Sometimes you see the footage of these, this wind that rushes through and picks up cars and houses and it just just totally transforms you know a, a city all these structures that are you know rooted in the ground tree i mean see uh, i mean it's just amazing what the wind can do and that's what the holy spirit is he is the oil that heals us he is the fire that purifies us and he is the wind that moves us and empowers us and leads us. You know, Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 3, you know, the wind blows and it does whatever it wishes in this direction and that direction. And then it goes in that direction. And Jesus said, so is everyone who is born of the Holy Spirit. Which way are you going to go? Which way is the wind blowing, man? Because we are a people who are led by the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we're led by the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we don't just get into our rut and just get into our routine. But the wind, it carries us in a strong way. You see, the Holy Spirit is the fire. The Holy Spirit is the Oil, the Holy Spirit is the wind, and the Holy Spirit is the water, huh? Strike the rock, Moses. If you strike the rock, water will come out, and I will give my people water in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, you know, you've been coming here and you've been doing this and you've been doing that. But I'm telling you right now, man, those those things, those wells that you're running to. They won't satisfy you. 
and you'll thirst again. But the water that I will give you, they'll, they'll form in you these wells of living water and, and they will finally give you the one that will satisfy you. You know, it just breaks my heart. And I got to tell you straight out, man, it breaks my heart to see some people come to church for years, for decades. And they're still the same. And you know what? That is just so wrong. Well, you're like, well, I, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven because I trust Jesus. You know, I don't, man, don't have that mentality. Don't say, well, I'm going to get in by the skin of my teeth. No, man, tonight in your life, you got to know that um, as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, you will grow and you will grow. And it's an amazing thing. You know, your progress will be evident to all. People will say, yeah, I remember her. She was always a right-on Christian, but now she's like writer-on. It's amazing how things are changing in her life. And it's amazing the joy that she has, the love that she has, the way that God is using her and she's reaching out in Him and all these things. I mean, it's just you will grow and it will always be that way and it's supposed to always be that way. I think we just don't know these things or I think for some reason... We've bought some lie that says that we're not supposed to walk supernaturally. I'm just a man. No, you're not just a man. God lives in you. You see? You know, my dog Chip, I trip out on my dog Chip sometimes, man. And I've had him for a while now. He's the same birthday as me, and so we celebrate our birthdays together. And that's kind of how I know that he's getting up there in years. I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he's eight years old, or no, no, maybe seven. So what's that, 49 years and dog years, right? Um, and today, I was just tripping out on him. I'm like, Chip, Chip, my dog Chip, you never used to go over there. I mean, you know, it was amazing to me our dog Chip, you know, we keep him in the laundry room. We take him outside. He knows where he belongs. But as he's gotten older, for some reason, he's going backwards. And now he's going into the kitchen and he's going into the living room. Next thing you know, he's been watching TV or something. I, <laughs> I don't know what's up with this dog. He's going backwards. And that's why I told him today. I said, Chip. You're going backwards. And you used to know that you can't cross that line. And, and we didn't have to, you know, lock you up and tie you up. And, and then the Lord reminded me, he said, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are going backwards. And they think they're going forward because they're more religious. Or they think they're going forward because they're busy or doing a whole bunch of things. Or they think they're going forward because they're putting on a real good act and everybody thinks they're holy. But in their heart, they're going backwards. 
And it doesn't matter what position you have. You could be the pastor. You could be anybody else in the church. And it's really easy to pretend like you're getting more holier because you're getting more busier and you're doing more things. And while you're doing all these things and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're going here and you're going there and all these things are happening and you're going through the motions of reading your Bible and here you are, you know, you're halfway through. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If you were honest and you look inside your heart, you know something's not right. And I know something's not right. But you don't know how to get out of it. And you try. And you try to do better. And you try to read more. Maybe you even try to pray, but you don't, you know, really get there. And the Lord, I think, wants to communicate to us, if that's there, if we're anywhere near that vicinity in our life, if we really want to be a New Testament Christian, a man of God, a woman of God, then we need to surrender. And we need to be broken. And we need to see the desperate situation that we're in. You know, and part of me cries because, man, I want that in my life. I want all of God. But a large part of me cries because I know there's a lot of Christians that don't really want that. And they're so caught up in themselves and in their own fears and in their own lives that they just won't be broken and submit themselves to their Lord and Master, their King, their God, their Redeemer. And they continue to insist on doing their own thing. And so we have a choice. You know, as we learn, well, I can't do this on my own strength. That... I've already learned, and if you haven't learned that, then, you know, you got to learn that. <laughs> you can't do it on your own strength. It's totally different, huh, when the Lord is the one who does it through you, when the Lord is the one that gives you love for that person that, in all reality, you're like, man, how can, how can I love this person, Lord? And then you realize, well, you know, God loves that person, doesn't he? And so if God loves that person and God lives inside of you, then you can love that person. And whatever it is, you know, you're facing a very difficult decision. And, and you know, I don't know about you. This is one other thing that I've learned in my life. And I'm not just saying this to you guys. I'm telling you, in all honesty, I am dumb. I'm dumb. I've learned. I lack common sense. I lack any sense. I I don't know what to do. I don't even know what flavor ice cream I like. I I don't know what to do, Lord. 
I don't. That's me. You know, there are some people and I get so, you know, just, I'm like, man, Lord, they're cool, man. They know what to do. Boom, boom. They make decisions. They're quick on their feet. And I'm like, man, you know, that's not me. And, and so, but what that does do is it actually, sometimes I think it works in a good sense because what it does is it makes me pray, Lord, what do I do here? And I've learned that I can't make quick decisions. I can wait and I can pray. And then when I pray, God speaks to me. You see, God gives us wisdom. God gives us love. God gives us everything we need when we depend upon him. And here uh, today, you know, we're going to go over a lesson over the person and the purpose and the power of the Holy Spirit uh, tonight. And I don't know if right now, right here in this place, God will touch you. I hope he does. I don't know if it's going to be like I said, later tonight or tomorrow or maybe next week or maybe next year. I hope it's not that long, but maybe as a result of understanding what the Bible teaches, that the power of the Holy Spirit will come into your life as you allow him to take over and as you allow him full reign in your life. You know, some people don't even think the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, they think he's a force. You know, but in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, if you want to turn there, we realize that the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person. And here in John, chapter 14, notice it says in verse 16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The way that it works is that the Father sent the Son, Jesus came, he died on the cross, he rose again, he went to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit. He sent another, a parakletos, a helper. But the thing that we have to take note of at this point, when the Bible is your authority, is that the Holy Spirit is not called an it. Notice the Holy Spirit is called he. He. Him. See, he's not an it. And I don't like it when people, even sometimes in the Christian church, and you got to really watch your vernacular, sometimes even in the Christian church, I hear people calling the Holy Spirit it. Please, don't do that. The Holy Spirit is a person. See, like Aaron was telling me today, and I was talking to Aaron about this, he said, how come God's always a he? I'm all, that's because he's a he, man. That's who God is in the masculine form. He, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, calls him a person. I mean, if you think about it, watch if you go over to the book of Acts chapter 5, we see that the Holy Spirit is a person that can be lied to. You see, you can't lie to a force. 
In Acts chapter 5, verse 1, it says, A certain man in Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold the possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie? Notice to the Holy Spirit. See, if the Holy Spirit was just a force, I mean, how do you lie to a force? You can't lie to a force. We lie. Well, at least I hope you don't lie. But when people do lie, they lie to a person. And you see, what we see was going on right here is the Holy Spirit was the one that was moving in the church and things were happening in such an amazing way. And Ananias and Sapphira were pretending to, you know, give a whole bunch of money when really they had kept some back. And Peter tells them, you you lied to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's called a he. He can be lied to. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn over there, we see that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, it says in verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You don't grieve a force, you grieve a person. As a matter of fact, you grieve a person with a heart, with a sensitive heart. The context here is talking about how some people can say mean things and corrupt things come out of their mouth. And, you know, I, I feel the same way. I hate it. Man, I hate it when people are, 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 are mean with their voice or maybe with their tone or maybe with the content of the things that they say. And, and it just really, man, it grieves me. I, I just, it, it just hurts inside and and that's just the holy spirit that's the way he is it grieves him why because he is a person that can be lied to that can be grieved and that can speak to us in a personal relationship if you go over to the book of acts notice in chapter 8 verse 29 it says that the Holy Spirit spoke. It says in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. If you go over to Acts chapter 13, notice it says in verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, and so I just want to share that with you guys just in case you ever get a knock at the door and someone wants to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and they say, no, there's no such thing. The Holy Spirit's just a force and there are others who believe the fallacy. First of all, we see tonight that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person that lives inside of us. He's a person in one sense and I know it's hard, you know, sometimes to understand these things, but He's a person like Jesus was. I think sometimes we even forget that Jesus is a person. That the Father is a person. That they have their intellect, their emotion, their will, their being. 
Holy Spirit is a person. You can talk to Him. He, he talks to us. He leads us. He helps us. He comforts us. He heals us. He purifies us. He quenches our thirst. He empowers us. You know, one of the things about Calvary Chapel, you know, uh, is I believe that God has led uh, Pastor Chuck and, you know, a lot of the other guys with a very healthy perspective of the Holy Spirit. You know, some, you know, that's all they focus on, that the second person of the Trinity. And some, they never, you know, talk about him and the gifts and the movement of the Holy Spirit. But what we see, I think, in Calvaries is that God gives us that balance. You know, the, the dove from above, when he came and he fell on Jesus and empowered him for the work of ministry. And I think that we need to make sure that we depend upon him and know about him. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't usually point to himself too much. Um... You know, that's where some of the churches out there, the charismatic churches, are off. Because the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. But see, when Jesus is glorified, the Spirit falls. The Spirit comes. And that's what He wants to do in this church. And I believe that's what He wants to do in your life. That tonight you would open your heart and that that unbelief would die. You know, because you might be here tonight and you'll be thinking, you know what, I'm, a, I'm an old dog and you can't de- teach an old dog new tricks, you know. And I've been this way for, you know, umpteen years. I'm going to ever change and this is just me and... <sighs> And Jesus looks to you tonight, and you know what he says to you? Oh, you of little faith. You don't believe that God can change you? That God can move in your heart? That God can bless you? The person of the Holy Spirit. It's real. Now, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is threefold, and it's very, very simple. If you go back to John, again, chapter 14, notice it says in verse 17, verse 16, Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. You see, the purpose of the Holy Spirit, first of all, is as he's with you, jump over to John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. If you look up at verse 8, it says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he's with you to the apostles. He's with you. 
Okay, and that's before you're a Christian. That's when God begins to work on your life and God begins to reach out to you, you know, and God begins to, like it says right here, convict us of our sin and of righteousness. What's right? Jesus is right. And of judgment to come so that we can cry out in desperation, right? And when the Holy Spirit's not in it, when he's not with, then nothing's going to happen. You know, I know that I remember in my life, and I don't know if you guys ever had any similar experiences in your life, but people, sometimes well-intentioned Christians, they would share the Lord with me. And I remember this one guy, Tony, man, he was sharing with the Lord, the Lord with me so passionately, man, that he was sweating. He was sweating, man. And I still remember the day I was in his driveway and he was just telling me and I'm, you know what, man, I got to be honest with you. And I don't know all the details of it, man, but I don't think the Holy Spirit was there. I didn't understand anything he said. It just, it was like, it's got to be the Lord. You know, maybe you're here saying, well, no, they planted a seed. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. It's just all a matter of whether or not the Holy Spirit was there and with me. You know, it would be years later when a very, very, very simple message came my way and the Holy Spirit was with me prior to that he had been kind of working on me a little bit and and then he convicted me of my sin the purpose of the Holy Spirit number one he's with us convicting us of our sin number two if you go back to John 14, verse 17, it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. The Greek word is para and will be in you. The Greek word is in. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. First of all, God is with you. Is that pretty cool or what? But then secondly, God lives in you. Okay, now is that cool? That is very cool. God lives in me? Yeah. God lives in you. And it's an amazing thing when you think about it. You know, we know in Genesis chapter 24 that what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit there symbolizes a servant of Abraham. He goes and he gathers a bride for the church. What God wants to do is God wants to take us. God wants to convict us. God wants to save us by his Holy Spirit. And then what he wants to do is take up residence in our heart. If you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you are bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul's like, well, don't you know this? <laughs> do you not know that your body, and this is why we shouldn't go and, and do all these crazy things, is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's pretty awesome. When you read the Old Testament, you find that God lived, first of all, in the tabernacle. And wouldn't that have been a glorious thing to see, you guys? How many of you here would like to have seen that? You know, the pillar of fire by day, the cloud of pillar, I mean, by day, the pillar of fire by night. And it was just a manifest evidence presence of God's 
presence, God's glory there in the tabernacle. But then eventually Solomon built the temple and God came in and God filled the temple, right? But then what ended up happening? Well, Jesus came and Jesus was the temple. God lived in him. So first the tabernacle, then the temple, then Jesus. And today, you. If you're a Christian here today, then you're the the temple of God. And you see, that's his purpose, to be with us, to be in us. And then the one that I want to share most tonight is the third preposition, and that is for the Holy Spirit to be upon us. And if you go over to the book of John chapter 20, I want to just kind of head over to the book of Luke and Acts. But if you go back to John chapter 20, remember Jesus had predicted in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit would be in them. And so when Jesus died and rose again, he came back. And if you look at John chapter 20, it says in verse 21 that Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, that's when they were born again. That's when God began to live inside of them. Do you guys remember another time in the Bible when God breathed in man? Do you remember? The book of Genesis, when God gave him life, huh? Now God breathes again, and God gives them spiritual life. You see, the Holy Spirit was with them, convicting them, telling them, hey, straighten up, knucklehead. You need Jesus, man. And then the voice began to get louder and louder and louder until one day we were broken. One day, somehow, some way, we bowed our knees broken heart, wet eyes, and we gave our life to the Lord. Here we see they received the Holy Spirit. And so you would figure, well, it's all done with the Holy Spirit now, right? I mean, that's a done deal. And there are some churches, unfortunately, that will teach you that. But that's not what the Bible really teaches. It talks about a third preposition, not just para, not just en, but the Greek word is epi, and that in the English is the upon experience. Because if you go back to Luke chapter 24, it says in verse 49, after all this had taken place just prior to Jesus' ascension, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, here it is, until you are endued with power from on high. And so what do we read? Well, we read over in the book of Acts, chapter 1, if you would turn there. In verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And that is the power that God wants to give you tonight. That's the power. It's so weird, you know, how things operate. Some people are so closed. And some people are so open. And God separates the wheat from the chaff. 
tonight. God wants to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to change your life. We see it so clearly in Scripture, the with, the in, the upon. And the power, you know, uh, is not so that we can go and dazzle people. Hey, look what I can do, you know, when you start raising the dead just for your own glory or whatever, you know. It's so that God would be glorified, you know. It's the power of the Holy Spirit to help you uh, overcome sin, for one, and then number two, to empower you and anoint you for the work of the ministry. It's all God. It's none of us when we let him take over. You know, I remember when I got saved. Now, one of the interesting things I got to share with you is that sometimes the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what we're talking about, it happens at the moment of salvation. Sometimes it happens. When you get saved, boom, you get zapped with God's power. I know for me that's what happened. It was totally the Lord. I've shared with you guys before, addicted to drugs and alcohol and all the different things that I had absolutely no control over. And, you know, you name it. And then that day, boom, God zapped me. God gave me power, supernatural power. And I was able to overcome all of that. It was totally the Lord. For others, you become a Christian and you're walking around and you're kind of just, you know, there and you don't realize that there is another blessing that God wants to give you. And so you struggle and you fall and you trip and you do it again. And then you do it again. And then you do it again and again and again. And it's this awful cycle that sometimes even Christians live in. And God says, my son, my daughter, why do you choose this life? Yes, it's a choice. God's not a liar. And he says this, listen, I'll give you the power to overcome sin and I'll give you the power to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there are some of you here tonight. I, I would just venture to say, you know, I know I need a fresh feeling, but some of us here tonight, we really need that power. Just like the day, and I don't know what it was like for you, but just like the day you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you had the faith to go forward, or you had the faith to raise your hand, or you had the faith to pray or to kneel down or to do whatever it is in which you extended that hand and you reached out to God and you were saved just like that day. It happens again. But this time, it's for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by faith. You know, the woman in the crowd, she knew, man, if I can just make my way through and touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. That type of faith. Do you have that type of faith tonight? Lord, I'm going to get through all these things. I'm going to get through these doubts. I'm going to get through these difficulties, Lord, tonight. And I'm going to reach, Lord, your hem. And the Bible says that when she touched his hem, power went out. 
power went out from him. And then he stopped. And he looked around and he said, who touched me? And, you know, Peter. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about, Lord, who touched you? Come on, everybody's all over you, man. And I mean, it's like crazy here. And the Lord says, no, somebody touched me in a different way. And he looked down at this woman right here, man. And, and I'm telling you, you just got to catch that. That in a moment, in that moment, she was healed. And she had tried everything else. She had paid all the money that she had for doctors for years. This flow of blood wouldn't go away. She lost everything trying. But all it took was one touch of the tip of Jesus' garment. And she was healed. And I don't know if you're here today and you're doubt and you know, you're like, ah, that was then and that was that situation. You know what? That was written for you, my friend. That was written for me. It wasn't just some historical chronicle that God wrote down to give you some information of what took place back then. It was a a motivation, it was a stimulation for us to be able to read that story and say, Lord, I want to do the same thing. Because I'm telling you what, Lord, I need you. And so I'm going to make my way through the, the crowd and I'm going to touch you, Lord. And so what ends up happening? Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, Terry in Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. In the book of Acts chapter 1, the Lord says it again, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And so what did they do? Well, if you read back here in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says, and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. Notice it says in verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. They just started to pray. They just started to pray. And that's how we experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We begin to pray with one accord, by faith, and God will do a work. I'm here to tell you with all my heart, with all my gut, with everything that I am, with everything that I've ever read in the Bible, all the years I've ever been a Christian, I'm here to tell you this, that if you change your prayer life, He will change your life. And you begin to pray, and the Holy Spirit will come, and He will rest on you. It's that simple. 
You know, and as you begin to pray, what ends up happening is you're turning from your sin, you're emptying yourself of yourself. And the Lord begins to work, and you begin to ask and seek and knock, like it says in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus said, if you ask and seek and knock for the power of the Holy Spirit, which you need so desperately in your life, I'll give them to you. And like the, the scripture Joey shared earlier today, I believe it's Daniel eleven thirty two. You'll carry out great exploits. God will use your life. Will we rise to this challenge? Because the devil will fight you tooth and nail in your prayer life. You know, it's been said that the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint on their knees. And that's why we need to pray and not play church. Prayer in the Word, Lord. Prayer in the Word. You saturate yourself in the Scriptures and you get your heart right and you set it in that gear, the gear that says this, I must obey my Master. And God does that work. You see, that's the power that God wants to give us. You know, I remember reading an illustration of some individuals that were over at Niagara Falls. I've never been there, but I would imagine it's just beautiful. Niagara Falls to see the water, you know, just rushing and just, man, I bet you that must have been so exhilarating. You guys, some of you guys went. Did you dive in just out of curiosity? You know, <laughs> the guy said to the other guy, he said, "Man, there it is, the most powerful resource on planet Earth, not even used." <laughs> to which his friend replied, "Nah, it's not Niagara Falls. This is the Holy Spirit, the most powerful resource on planet Earth." that oftentimes is not used in our life. You know, don't you love it when you get a gift and, you know, you're like, this is cool for me. You know, it's an electronic gadget or something, you know. And uh, isn't it cool when they include the batteries? I think it's cool, man. <laughs> and you're like, cool, I don't have to, you know, wait any longer. I can do it right now. I've got the power right now and it's free and... That's who the Holy Spirit is. The power. The power to walk. The power to live. You see, that's what God wants to do in our life. You know, it's something when we read in the book of Acts is very important. If you go over to the book of Acts, chapter 19, and I don't think a lot of people realize this, and you know, but we need to realize this, that this is kind of a, a fundamental of being a Christian. Because look what it says in Acts chapter 19. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Well, into what then were you baptized? And so they said, Into John's baptism. 
And then Paul said, well, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on the Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, notice, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. I mean, it's uh, kind of different. And you know what? That's not good <laughs> that it's different. It shouldn't be different. Christianity today shouldn't be different than the book of Acts. You know, because the first thing Paul says when he finds disciples is, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Do you say that when you say, hey, you, oh, you accepted the Lord? Cool. That's neat. You're a disciple of Christ? Cool. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? We probably should, though. In those days, it, was just, it just flowed. Now, these guys right here, Paul began to do some investigation, and he found out that they weren't even Christians to begin with, right? He went on and he kind of did some investigation, and he found out that they hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit, that they had only been baptized into John's baptism. And so Paul went on to share with them, listen, it's not about John's baptism, it's about Jesus Christ. And so what ended up happening, he shared the gospel with them. They got saved. They got, you know, converted right there on this. It says right there in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. A question for you. Would Paul baptize a non-Christian? No way, huh? Not unless he was off. I don't think so. <laughs> he baptized them because they were Christians. They had confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They were saved. He baptized them. But look what happens next. And when they had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. See, subsequent to salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in us when we're a Christian. That's what happens. We see that in John chapter 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. But... Subsequent to that, there is an experience where here we see in the book of Acts, the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And I'm going to share with you guys a story. You're my friends, right? Well, some of you are. Some of you are like, well, let me think about it, you know. Um, this last Thursday, we went to the Walter Hoving home, and it was just so cool. You know, the ladies there, very, very, um, very much hungry for God's word. As a matter of fact, when they asked if I would go down there, and there's other pastors, uh, Xavier goes down there from Pasadena. And so when they asked if I would go down there, I said, okay, well, wh what do you want me to share? And they just said, give them the word. And I said, cool, thumbs up, man. All right, we'll try to do that. Afterwards, though, this gal came up to me, and she was kind of, you can tell, a little fearful. She's a Christian. She loved the Lord, but she was afraid. And she said, you know, I'm about to get out. I'm about to graduate from this program. And I'm afraid that I might go back. She said, and during the study, you mentioned the laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit. She said, will you pray for me? And I'm like, well, I'm not Paul. <laughs> I'm not Peter. But I'll pray for you. And let me tell you something, man. It wasn't my faith. I know that for a fact. I tried, but I believe that she believed. And 
right there and then, she was baptized with the Holy Spirit in front of my eyes. And God began to move in her, and there was a manifestation. And God just began to remind me, listen, this is for today. And this is fundamental. Ask people, can I ask you, are you baptized with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? Did He come upon you when you believed? Some of you here, yes. I see it in your life. Others of you here, no offense. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, but then again, I don't know what your life at home is like. You might be putting on a good show here. See, we really have to ask God to fill us with His strength. You know, it's not just something that happens once, though, just in case you're wondering. It's something that happens repeatedly. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Acts chapter 4, this is the same disciples that had received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. But look what it says in Acts chapter 4. It says in verse 29, Now the Lord... Look on their threats they are praying and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they all began to speak in tongues. No, it doesn't say that. It says, and they all spoke the word of God with boldness. But wait a minute, Manny. I thought they already received the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts chapter 2. Yeah, and here it is again. Why? Because we're leaky vessels, right? Because <laughs> we quench the Spirit sometimes through our doubt. And we grieve the Holy Spirit through our disobedience. And we need to pray again. God, fill me afresh. And the Lord will alter us. So cool, you guys. Something that we need to pray for, if you read Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Again, Jesus said, you just pray. I promise. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. All you have to do is ask. But you got to mean it from your heart. And it's so cool because Romans 8.29 says he'll even help us pray. Isn't that a good deal? <laughs> he helps us to pray. And then when we pray, we receive the Holy Spirit. Over in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll close with this verse right here. And there's so much more that we could say on the Holy Spirit, but Paul the Apostle, he gives a command to the Ephesians and he says in verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I'm a little ashamed to say, but I need to say, I think, to make the clarity and the illustration that before I was a Christian, I used to get drunk. I would get really drunk. I wouldn't eat and drink so that I could really get drunk. You know, I don't know. I was probably running away from my problems or, 
You know, I wasn't comfortable with the person that God had made me to be. I know that when I drank, um, you know, everybody's different, I guess, when they drink, some like to fight. Um, I just had a good time, so to speak. I would loosen up. I'm a very shy person by nature, and so the the drinking uh, would change me into another person. I did a lot of stupid things. I can't believe I'm still alive. But just like when you were under the influence of whatever it was and it changed you, what God is saying is that now, as Christians, I want you to be under a different influence. And I want your high to be higher. And He will modify your behavior when the Holy Spirit fills you. The interesting thing is it's a command. It's not like, well, let me think about it. (laughs) Okay, if you think about it, you just disobeyed God. Tonight, God commands you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And so you're like, okay, cool, then I'll do it. Well, here's the thing. And this is what I've found in life. It's not like you're like, okay, you know, (laughs) <laughs> what, I mean, give me some communion. Do I drink the cup? I mean, how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, and seriously, man, he connect the dots for me. And I think the way, and I found it to be true, and this is what I've seen in my life, is that you have to empty yourself of everything else. Huh. I mean, you already had Coke, you already had water, you already had, you know, chocolate shake from in and out you already had all these things, and you're full already. How can you be full with the Holy Spirit? And you've already sinned, and you've already done your thing, and you've already filled your mind with whatever the garbage is on television and the music and the emptiness. And then you come to church... And you ask God to fill you? What God says is, listen, and I really believe God is calling us tonight to repent. And that doesn't just mean, I'm sorry, God. That means you stop it. Or you start it, whatever it is that needs to change, repentance means that it changes. And as you repent of your sins, as we do that as a church, I believe God will empower us with His Holy Spirit to live this life, you guys. And so, you know, I really encourage you tonight. As we close today, you know, I, I part of me wants to make you, hey, anybody want to receive the Holy Spirit? And you raise your hand. Or part of me wants to say, hey, um, you know, stand up, you know, come forward. You know, but I have a feeling um, that all of us probably, you know, would. And so, I don't know, like I said, I just want to close tonight with this in my own life and in your own life. Um I don't know if it'll be tonight, right here, right now. Maybe it will, or or maybe later when you go home, or maybe tomorrow morning. But I just thought, you know what, Lord? Um, 
how about if we just get on our knees, Lord, today? And nothing weird, Lord, but just in quietness. And I would just like to to lead us in a prayer to ask God to move in our life tonight. And so let's, if you can, get on your knees. Let's do that. And if you can't, that's okay. Because God looks at the heart. Oh, Lord, I thank you for the people that came out tonight, Lord. I know some came, Lord, because, um, you know, it was, you know, their their duty to be here on Sunday night. Um, I would imagine that some came, Father, um, I don't know, out of habit or routine. Um, I also know that Perhaps some came, Lord, because they they heard that we were going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. And Lord, um, I pray you would honor their faith as they took that step, as they maybe did something a little different on a Sunday night, or even for all of us here today that came out of maybe duty or routine it doesn't matter Lord you're so wonderful and tonight Lord and I know it's not something that I can create Lord it's nothing that no man Lord can dictate or determine but tonight Many of us here, Lord, are on our knees asking, Lord, for you to empower us. Asking for your Holy Spirit to fall on us. Asking, Lord, that you would take your Holy Spirit, Lord, and anoint us with that oil and heal our hearts. And you would take your Holy Spirit and allow Him to fall on us with that fire of purification, Lord. That you would take that Holy Spirit, Lord, and the wind would blow. There would be that power to move and be led. There would be that Holy Spirit, Lord God that would come and do that work in our lives, the water in a dry and thirsty land where nothing, nothing else satisfies us but you. Lord, I love you. I need you. I ask that people would be filled with love tonight. I ask that people would be given the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Lord, I ask that the gifts of the word of knowledge and the words of wisdom and prophecy, miracles and healings, discernment. I ask for new gifts in my life. 
Lord, to bring you glory and honor. I pray, Lord, for your people, especially those tonight that are hurting, struggling, Father God. I pray, Lord, that tonight, just by faith, right now, we would make a choice. There is Jesus. And if I could just make my way through this crowd and touch the hem of his garment, I will receive your power. And so, Lord, in our hearts, I pray that we would believe and that we would receive the power of your Holy Spirit in our life. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the work that you're doing and may you continue, Lord, to stir us up. Again, bless your people, Father. Be glorified as we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. We completely admit our sins. And we just lay them down at your cross. Thank you, Lord. Transform us, Father God. I ask that in my life. Lord, make me a man of God. Make me a man of God. In these last days, you're coming soon. Pour out your spirit, Lord. I ask, in Jesus' name, amen.